Welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum. I am Andrew Camaro, an autistic certified financial planner. I co-run Adulting on the Spectrum with my host, Eileen Lamb. Hey, Eileen. Hey, everyone. In this podcast, we want to highlight real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational stories, but real people talking about their boring life. Basically, we want to give a voice to people like us. Today, our guest is Jeff Snyder. He was born in Providence, Rhode Island, has lived his entire life in Seekonk, Mass. He was diagnosed with autism in 1990, and ever since then, he has achieved multiple successes in life in areas of education, long-term employment, independent living, and speaking engagements in panels. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much for having me. So, Jeff, we, we want to ask our guests what they identify as, uh, as far as autism identity go, you know, how some people prefer on the spectrum, autistic, so you tell us, and also your preferred pronouns. Um, well, first of all, um, I'm usually, I'm usually very open-minded with, you know, identity and stuff. And uh, I mean, I mean, I always use autistic, I use autistic with autism in my, my talks and my presentations. And then my pronouns are he and him, and um, I'm also uh, I'm also hashtag uh, actually autistic and uh, hashtag uh, neurodiverse squad. Nice. We like open mindedness on this podcast. What was it like for you growing up on the spectrum? You were diagnosed at such a relatively young age, and what was that like for you? Well, I was first diagnosed with autism in December of 1990. And at that time, I was 21 months old. And also at that time, um, at the time of my diagnosis, it, the ratio was one in 10,000 for an autism diagnosis. And nowadays, it's really shocking. It's one in 54. But to get back to what I was to get back to what I was talking about, I actually didn't even know I had autism until 1998 when Nick News came to my house and um, filmed me for a subject on autism. And um, so, but before that, I knew I, I was acting differently from my, from, from my peers and from other kids I went to school with I knew I had something going on. I just didn't know what it was. So it wasn't until I was in fourth grade that I eventually learned the truth via um, Nick News. So your parents didn't tell them? No, no. Um, I, actually, tell you, sorry. I, was, I wasn't told. Um, I kind of had to learn for myself. So you know why they decided not to tell you about your diagnosis and how do you feel about it? Do you wish that they had told you? Well, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, they, they could have told me, but I don't really know, but that's fine. If I, if I was told that I had autism, then maybe they would have used uh, an analogy like you have um, magic powers or you have a special gift. And um, also, you could also, um, and then you could also have a, a sense that, um, but yeah, that, that sort of thing. But, but yeah, that, that was how, that, 
I mean, it, it would have been any differently than um, it would have been no different than when I was interviewed by Nick News. So, I mean, that's uh, I mean, ever since then, that's how I, you know, got my diagnosis. If I could, you know, offer one bit of advice for parents who are struggling to tell their child, new, newly diagnosed uh, children is that, is that, you know, just ensure that, you know, say that autism is like, you have a special gift or say something like, you know, you're a wizard, kind of like in Harry Potter. And also, also be sure to be open and honest. I mean, don't be scared to say to your child that, you know, you're never going to succeed in anything. Say to them that you're going, you're going to succeed in life. You're going to make friends. You're going to make a name for yourself. And we're going to be with you every step of the way. That sounds very positive. What would you say to parents of autistic children who, you know, might not be able to achieve these things? Like for instance, my son is um, eight and he's on the severe end of the spectrum and he's probably going to be one of those, you know, autistic adults that uh, can't live independently and can't communicate uh, on, on his own. So that's, I, that's why I have such mixed feelings about the autism is a superpower thing, because in some ways for some people, sure it is, but for some people, it will never be, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say this for, um, for parents who, um, are struggling to, who will, who are struggling with their children that may never end up where, may never end up being independent. And, and I got to tell you, I mean, the thing is when in life, we all want to be independent in some way, but there's a lot of components that come into being independent. There's financial independence, there's there's transportational independence and all these things can really, and these are very, very critical steps. And if you can't, and if the child cannot obtain that independence, then you know what? It's not the end of the world. The important thing is we have to be there in the child's life. However, they can't be very, um, they cannot have any, um, they may not have the independence that a normal person would have. It's just, you know, it, it is, but the, the key factor is to always, you know, be there and say, you know what, I'm, you are not alone. You are, we're going to be with you every step of the way and we will help you in any way possible for you to obtain some level of that independence that you want to have. Because you have to also remember some people may not, um, may not end up, um, being, uh, some people may not end up ever driving a car or may not, may forever lack the skills to live on their own. So that's one thing you really have to, um, to keep in mind is just because someone doesn't achieve that level of independence, then it's okay. And it's also a good idea to connect with other parents who are in the same boat as you you would have to, uh, you could get their perspective from their point of view. And also you can, um, you can, you can connect with a parent with 
parents and families in one way or another, because they, they know what you're feeling and, and you know what they're feeling. So it's kind of like a double, it's, it's more about being on the same page when it comes to being there for your, um, for, 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 um, children and adults who are neurodiverse and are struggling to, and, or who may never have independence that they, um, want to have. Yeah, I, I, I like that. The, the message that you're not alone. That's something that I try to tell people on social media too, because honestly, it feels very lonely sometimes. And just knowing that other people are going through what you're going through um, helps, you know, it, in some ways, you know, it doesn't take all of the struggles away, of course, but it's, it's nice to connect with other people and find, find our tribe, like we say. So you describe yourself as an autism advocate. I think I got that right. So what does autism advocacy mean to you? Well, uh, for me, autism advocacy, well, autism and neurodiversity self-advocacy is meaning that, you know, you're getting out there and you're reaching out to individuals and their families who are, who may not realize that, who, who may not fully understand what they are really going for. And because a lot of a lot of um, fam, because you and I were talking, Eileen, before the uh, before the uh, interview, that um, when I was first diagnosed with autism, it was one in ten thousand. That was the diagnosis ratio. Now, in twenty twenty one, nearly over thirty years after I was diagnosed, it's now one in fifty four. So, so being a self-advocate is a field onto itself because you're going to, you're, you're getting your name out there to say to fam to families and individuals that, you know what, I've been down that road and I can help you out. And I also am, I'm also a public speaker. So I've done talks um, about growing up on the spectrum. And I've actually done that through a um, a presentation called Autism and Disney Characters. Um, there's two volumes to that. Um, I've mostly been presenting volume one and hoping to present volume two at some point. And each of those, those two presentations identify certain Disney characters that may display traits of autism that we may not be able to see or understand. However, those traits that the characters demonstrate they are the same traits that neurodiverse people will display in life, whether it's being clumsy or being uh, prone to wandering or having routines disruptive or a lack of personal boundaries. All these things can really be identified through Disney characters. And, uh, and then also, Another thing that I'm very passionate about is include is workplace inclusion because I've worked in retail for over 15 years and I've seen, and one thing that I I've started to try to do is, is to try to reach out to retail companies to try to see if they can make their stores uh, inclusive because at my place of employment, um, during the pandemic, they operated, um, they set aside the, the first 90 minutes of the business day for senior citizens 
and uh, people who are susceptible to the coronavirus. And if, and, and, and I said to myself, why can't we do that for people with like sensory issues or who are neurodiverse? So that would be the goal that I would, um, that I would, that I would have is to reach out to, to companies and say, you know what, uh, you know, for like an hour or for 60 to 90 minutes once a week, have your store be, be sensory friendly, lower the fluorescent lighting, lower the music, and also, um, also turn off any unnecessary noise, whether it's the checkout, the beeping of the checkouts, or, um, and also, also have train your staff to be neurodiverse friendly and train them how to help out individuals who may be having meltdowns. So that would be something that I would like to see in retail companies um, accept, but, um, but again, you know, there has to be, you know, a, there has to be a two-sided um, moment here. Both sides will need to win and they will do whatever it can. And if they do, and if they do that. And, and I saw something just uh, this week in Vogue business of all places. And I was through the roof excited that was talking about, um, you know, neurodiversity in retail and something that I was so pleasantly surprised that the article mentioned was uh, smell as well. And, you know, it's a combination of all of the, again, sensory overload. Um, and it's sometimes it's not just one thing, but it's a combination. And what they found, too, I, I think when it comes to the retail stores is that if they, you know, other people liked coming in during those senior hours. Right. It's the mm -hmm. very definition of universal design. Right. Which should mean if it's good for one person with autism, it should be good for everyone. Right. So yeah. I, I I think that. You know, I think that it's moving in the right direction with awareness and advocacy. And one thing I, I really like that you said is your definition of advocacy. Cause I think you've been an advocate for a long time. Some would argue since the day you found out you had autism, when you were advocacy with uh, Nick Jr. Right. Um, but how, you know, what I really like is how that you separate advocacy is about helping others and being kind and spreading in a message and awareness and not just, you know, talking about, you know, your story, you, you have a change and you have things that you want to share and not just to share a story, but, you know, very specific goals and things you could relate to. So I, I want to say thank you uh, because that's, that's quantifiable, right? Everyone, almost everyone needs to go to retail stores and almost everyone would want them to be sensory friendly. And the more people working on that, the better. Um, is advocacy your career? Because there are many, you know, some might consider myself an advocate. I, I'm not a, a paid advocate and, and I consider it, you know, a privilege to be able to have a job that allows me to also advocate. Um, and there's nothing... But I think there's many who would like to be paid and compensated and make their advocacy a career. And it sounds like you've made it at least a portion of your career. And 
Could you talk about that and maybe some advice for others who would like to do the same? Well, to, to, to be honest, I've actually, this particular, um, my advocacy, I've actually been doing, the bulk of this has been um, for the past um, two, for almost two years now, um, has been the main portion of this advocacy. Prior to that, I was in the, um, I was in the Brony fandom. And for those of you who don't know, Bronies are fans of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. And I would go to Brony conventions. So, and I would see people, you know, give presentations on aspects from that show. And that was kind of my formal training, if you will. And I was also a, um, a fan fiction writer. I was also a fanfic writer. Um, I was a freelance fan fiction writer for the show. So that was kind of my formal training. And then, and then um, after the Brony Phantom died down, I decided to take what I learned from, from being in the Brony Phantom and bringing it to autism self-advocacy. And the, some of the things I brought into were the sense of community because the Brony Phantom was a community of people with the same interests and the same goals as I had. And then also you had, and then also there's the matter of speaking in front of other, speaking in front of your peers was another one, because you can um, speak and talk about whatever you want to share in front of an audience. And then it actually goes further than that, because I also did, I was also a gifted public speaker when I was in school. I did a lot of, um, I, I had, I had done creative presentations for some of my classes when I was in school. So that was, that was one other key aspect to, to my training. And then, and then I actually, and, and then I sort sort of um, built this advocacy from sort of like a business, if you will. I mean, I've already done, um, I've done uh, two paid speaking engagements this year, which I have been compensated for made about um, upwards of like $300 already for those two events. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would like to try to, you know, get, but it's more about, I, I would like to get more, you know, engagements where I get compensated. However, it's more about getting the message out there. It's more about getting people to come and listen to what I have to say, because some of the things that I say are things that people have never heard about before. So that could be something that's more of the message that I have. And yes, this is, this is kind of a career for me. It, it, it's a career that as of right now, you know, it doesn't get, um, it doesn't, you know, pay very much, but again, it's more about getting the message out there. And I also have a profile on speaker hub that I sometimes go on to look for like paid speaking engagements there. So, so like if I want to apply for a, um, a paid speaking engagement, I'll go on a speaker hub, but it's more about them coming to me rather than me going out to them. It's about, it's not just about getting your name out there. It's just about how, how can you bring them in and listen to what you have to say. And it's one other thing. And another thing I have to keep in mind for in terms of being a, an advocate and a public speaker is you've got to have rhino skin because not everyone is going to want to hear what you have to say. You have to 
Um, you're going to get people who are going to say, no, I don't want you to speak for this event, or I don't want you. We think that what you're presenting is not going to be acceptable. That's one thing that I have to, that's one. if I could give someone who's trying to be a self-advocate and a public speaker for the autism and neurodiverse communities that is trying to get that sort of, who's trying to, you know, become a public speaker, that's what you're going to have to contend with is you got to have rhino skin when it comes to having, when it comes to, you know, doing your advocacy and stuff. And also some people may also be very opinionated with, um, can also be extremely opinionated because yeah let me ask you about that i know you've spoken about autism and bullying before you know because some people have very strong opinions on social media and they share it they will let you know about it and it can be hard sometimes to be an autism advocate when people are so eager to share their views and they feel so strongly about them so can you tell us more about autism and bullying and how you feel about it well i mean and, and I'm going to say right now, I was never bullied in, um, in school, but some of my friends who are also neurodiverse have been bullied and, and there's actually, and honestly, and, and also in the first two characters I, um, talk about in my autism and Disney characters presentation talks about, you know, being easy targets, like the character of Gus from Cinderella he is very, very, um, he's very, very prone to bullying from, from Lucifer, the cat. And he is very, um, very prone to bullying because that what Lucifer and Gus represent are individuals on the spectrum that are very, um, that are, that are very vulnerable. They're very vulnerable to specific, uh, bullying they're 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 vulnerable to to bullies and that's what gus represents in cinderella so that's one thing that you really have to you know keep in mind is that what you see in characters like gus is what you're going to see in real life and unfortunately in the, the age of social media we're seeing online bullies you know target their victims from all from from the, from the comforts of their own home. And that is a very, um, that's a, and that's a major problem. So you really have to keep in mind that bullying can happen, not just nowadays, bullies can happen, not just in schools, they can also target, they can also happen online. And that's a major problem that I think a lot of organizations will have to contend with, um, um, going, going forward. Eileen, you should ask the next question, even though I was going to, because we got to see the puppy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what do you think about the actually autist, autistic hashtag? And why do you use that hashtag when it's often associated with, you know, hate and sometimes hate that is directed at you too? Well, it's more about, um, it's more about, you know, letting people know that I'm on the spectrum and, you know, I'm autistic. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a smart, smart person, but, you know, I do have the flaws and I do have, you know, the work. I mean, I'm always going to be a work in progress. I've got dents, I've got, I've got quirks, but 
but I've got flaws that make this work. And for those of you who don't know, that's actually um, lyrics from a song on My Little Pony called We're Not Flawless from mm-hmm. season seven. So that that is a good example right there of, you know, nobody's perfect. And, you know, you can write you can write down your mistakes. Um, they're written in ink. So that to me is something that will. I mean, it's OK to. Um, it's OK to show your identity for who you are, you know, you're, but I'm also a member of the neurodiverse squad. That's the other hashtag I use because I know what it's like. I know how it is. I know what it's like to go through, you know, being on the spectrum and dealing with critics that you may not be able to understand what they're saying, or you might, or you might translate that as something like being, as something offensive. So so that's where that's where things, you know, really go. For, so but I, I think those hashtags, especially actually autistic in particular for people who may not be aware, are commonly associated with the very bullies who you you mentioned. Um, are you just kind of doing your own thing and knowing that you're doing things right? Are you afraid that, you know, people will maybe associate you with uh, bullies as some might, or do you think that the hashtag is here to stay? So the, uh, the best thing to do is kind of reclaim it with your kindness. And how do you stay so genuinely nice and kind in the state of everything and just in the face of adversity and challenges and hate, how are you so nice? Well, the important thing is that I try to be a good role model for people. I mean, I have to, and also part of the reason why I got into um, autism and neurodiversity self um, advocacy is because I have two nieces. Um, one is one is uh, four years old, and my youngest is um, one. So part of the reason why I became an advocate is because they are going to be growing up among uh, people who are on the autism spectrum and. The last thing I want is for them to grow up and end up being uh, being bullies to other to, to other students who are neurodiverse or on the autism spectrum. And if by doing this advocacy, I'm kind of teaching them for what they're going to expect later on, and when they when they get older. But then also the fact of the matter is that. You know, and the fact is that, you know, I can always, I'm, I can always change um, from actually autistic to something else. Maybe that might be the best, um, maybe the best way to um, get attention. But I do, I do disclaim that, you know, I don't want to offend anyone. And I'm really doing this for the, um, for the common good. That's that's really good. You know, we've been trying to uh, get some tractions on other hashtags, which have been very controversial, like um, actually diagnosed, um, you know, because we we feel that sometimes self-diagnosed people tend to uh, control the narrative around autism. And they've been a, there's been a big 
increase in self-diagnosis with you know social media, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. And and sometimes, I mean, obviously, out of all of these people, some of them are not going to be autistic. It's just they can be. Yet they speak for the entire autistic community as if we all speak, we all think the same. First of all, that's an insane thing to think because we're all individuals, you know, and we're not all going to share the same views on autism. Um, but yeah, my point is we, we tried like using the actually diagnosed hashtags and maybe that's a bit too on the other extreme and there is somewhere in the middle because, you know, we don't want to exclude people who don't have access to a formal diagnosis because it's too expensive, but who are actually on the spectrum. Yes. Uh, but, you know, it's a fine line between the two. Like, how do you feel about self-diagnosis and including those people, but at the same time, making sure they don't speak over or speak for the entire community? How do we do that? Well, if you want to do a self-diagnosis, I would probably seek out um, like, like a psychiatrist or a psychologist and they can, and will be, and they will be the ones that will officially make the diagnosis self people who self-diagnose that's kind of walking a fine line in terms of, um, you know, you know, you, you want to share your story with the world, but how are people going to react to it is the one story because people who say, you know, hashtag self self-diagnosed with um, autism or a neurodiverse condition. Some people may view that as gaining a form of attention or, you know, this person is doing this to, you know, try to be better than somebody, but it's better to get diagnosed by a professional, medical professional than just say, you know, hey, everybody, I'm, I'm, I'm on the autism spectrum. So, I mean, that's, uh, well, yeah, that's, I mean, if anyone on here, if anyone's listening to this interview that wants to get, um, wants to, you know, find out if they're on the spec, if they're neurodiverse or not, then I would seek out, I would seek out a doctor, I would seek out a medical professional and let them be the judge of whether you have autism or, or not. I think we share the, the, the same views. Uh, it's, it's nice to be able to talk about these things because these are important topics in the autism community. And I, I don't hear actual conversations about it very often. So I appreciate you sharing your, your thought on that. Um, is there anything else you want to share about Disney? Some really cool facts that you're just burning to tell us. Well, uh, well, like I said, I, um, I create, I've created uh, two, uh, presentations based on um, autism and Disney characters. Um, hopefully, I can present volume two at some point. But um, but I'm also a big Disney buff as well, as you can see, just above my shoulder. You'll see the original uh, Tinkerbell from Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. So, but but I've been a, I've been a huge Disney fan all my life, and uh, you know I've been to. I've been to Disneyland. I actually have a cousin that works at Disneyland. I've been to Walt Disney World once, but I kind of prefer Disneyland because it's the park that Walt himself walked on. And it's also very easily navigationable. 
so but but yeah i mean i collect you know all the disney movies i've collected um i've collected um any disney related material growing up and and uh and then you know that that sort of thing and then um also i'm i'm also a i've written uh fan fiction and for those of you who don't know what fan fiction is fan fiction are stories based on movies cartoons books any form of entertainment so i've written uh plenty of i've written several um disney fanfics that um are currently on fanfiction.net and um, also on deviantart.com so and my username cool. is um twilight sparkle three five six two if you're interested i'm sure some people will uh, i know disney is a special interest of a lot of people even those who are not on the spectrum so yeah. you'll you'll get some uh it is reading you it's stories that you wrote or is it uh, audio it's stories that i've written it's written okay cool yeah i like reading um all right, we we want to ask you some quick fire questions now. So we, I, I ask you a question and you tell me the first answer that comes to your mind. Okay. Good. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Basically, just just to be myself and and don't let others, you know, doubt me for who I am. I mean, I'm, you know, I I was born, I was born this way, and and I'll live this way. Beautiful. What do you like to do to relax? I think I know. Uh, well, for one thing, I like to you know play video games. I like to um, watch. Uh, I like to watch uh, movies. I have a large uh, physical DVD collection, and I also like to you know go for walks and stuff. And VHS. Uh, DVD. You don't have VHS. I used to have VHSs, but they're at my folks' house. We we just had a guest who was so happy because he, he just got a a vhs tape and he was so excited to have it in his hands hi Stas, if you see us <laughs> um what is your favorite food uh my favorite food is uh there's a whole gosh there's a whole variety of there's like pork chops rice pilaf um i like chicken parm so good what's your favorite movie tv show uh, uh, favorite movie um, as a kid, it was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And uh, as an adult, it's uh, Fantasia. Oh, good. Okay. Tricky question. What is your favorite DreamWorks movie? I would have to say probably Shrek, the Shrek films. Yeah. I've seen those, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really great to, to chat with you. And if you want to tell our followers where, where they can find you on social media, I know we've kind of touched on that, but if you want to tell them again, uh, tell, tell them now. Um, I am on uh, Facebook. I am also on, um, I am on, I'm on Facebook. I am on LinkedIn. I am on Twitter and I am on Instagram. And uh, I'm going to put into the, um, I'm going to put it in the chat wall for you guys to um, to share it in a follow-up. Um, I'm on WordPress. I have a blog called um, Going the Distance. It is um, The website is Jeff Snyder Autism Neurodiversity Self-Advocate.wordpress.com. 
I update blogs every Monday through Friday. And then you, I also have listed my um, speaking services, volunteer services. If you ever want me to come out and speak to your organization, or also if you want me to help out with like any, be on a panel or help out with like any volunteer events, fundraisers, um, you can also reach out to me that way. Uh, in addition, I am also a contributor to a book called This is Autism by Jessica Leichwise and Aiden Almond Cooper. It is currently on Amazon.com for $19.97. And if you ever want me to sign you a copy at a future um, in-person event, um, please bring your copy and I'll be happy to sign it for you. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the podcast. You're Thank very you. welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye.